The following sermon is from Christ Church Port Orange. For more information, find us online at joinwithjesus.org. Thanks for listening. Good morning, Christ Church. You know, it's such a blessing um, to be here. My, my wife and I have had the privilege to, to being here um, multiple times, and every time we come, we're always greeted so warmly. Familiar faces coming over to say hello, and it just really warms our heart uh, as, um, as we just have always felt welcomed. My wife and I have been married for, uh, this is our 10th year. We've known each other 11 years. We have an 18-year-old adopted daughter. She's not with us here today. Um, but also, too, my wife and I, we lead Salty Family Services. And some of you may be very well aware of Salty Family Services because we've uh, had a partnership with Christ Church for six years now. And that's, um, of all the partnership churches we've had, Christ Church was the first one to say yes. And uh, we're so appreciative of that. And because one of the biggest appreciations that we have as we do our ministry of rescuing, serving, and empowering families to prevent child abuse and neglect. You guys have partnered with that uh, mission and impacted the community. You guys are making efforts and, and connections with families, and um, you're really a part of that, that mission with us, and we would just like to thank you. So um, a few years ago, I think it was about three years ago, I actually had the privilege to come up here and teach, and um, I shared a little bit about my background then. And one of the things that I shared was most of my life, adult life, I spent separated from God. I ran away from God for many, many years. And um, I had a lot of misconceptions about God. And one of the things was that I believed that God had all these rules, all these laws, all these rules that were really supposed to just kind of restrict me from having fun more than anything else. And I just really did not understand God. I did not have a relationship with God. So I was um, radically transformed 11 years ago. I had an experience where I came into a church and not long after that, I just had this massive desire to, to try to understand and know this God. And um, as I started to grow, I was attending church regularly, I was reading the word of God, and I really started hearing this reoccurring word all the time, which was, he wants a relationship with me. And I couldn't put my arms around that at first. I'm like, hold on, God that is creator of all things, creator of the universe, wants to have a relationship with me. So over time, through my, my dedication of seeking him out and, and trying to um, connect with him, I started to understand what that truly meant. But then also I realized as a result of that, it had an impact into those around me. So that's what I want to spend some of our time here this morning talking about, is what does it mean for one to have a relationship with God? But then when we have a relationship with God, does that stay connected to people? Are those two things close together and connected? How does that happen? What does that look like when we're in relationship with God and in relationship with people? Because it is incredibly challenging to love, be in relationship with people. It's, it's, it's definitely some challenges there. And that's kind of where I want us to get started. So I think the best way to get started, get this ball rolling, is to go to Jesus. That's always kind of like a good way to start. So uh, let's start with Mark chapter 12. And um, just a little bit of a backstory of what's going on here. Um, 
Jesus has been in a debate. He's in a debate with the Pharisees. The Pharisees are these guys that are just um, biblical leaders. They're um, consumed with um, the, the Old Testament law. And they're in this back and forth debate over marriage in heaven. So as a result, a result of that back and forth, we find ourselves in verse 28. And it starts off by saying, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them. Time out for one second. This cracked me up the other day when I was studying and preparing for this. I've read this plenty of times, but I actually kind of chuckled to myself. Notice that Jesus gave a good answer. I started thinking, I'm like, you know, I've played basketball my whole life. I've had a huge passion for basketball. I think I'm pretty good. And it would be like me coming into a gym and not knowing who Michael Jordan is and be like, wow, that guy's pretty good. <laughs> totally clueless of he's calling the, the word of God. Yeah, he, he provided a pretty good answer right there. So anyway, I digress. Um, so he says, he, he asked Jesus, of all the commandments, which are the most important ones? Which is the most important? Jesus says, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Then he provides a second. The second one is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So again, Jesus is talking to a guy that is really well-versed, studied in the scriptures. Now, at this time, Israel's still under 600-plus laws that each day, like this guy is probably consumes most of his day of trying to obey these 600-plus laws. And he's asking this question, what are, the, what are the two best ones? And Jesus narrows this down, 600-plus laws, just to two. Love God, love people. So first, I want to say, Jesus tells us to love the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, all our strength. Now, when you hear this, you might think, well, that's not too difficult to do. It, it might seem somewhat easy to kind of pursue God this way. And um, you might say it's easy because there's, there's ways we can look at how do we do this? You know, we start to, um, like myself, I started following the Lord, reading the word of God in the morning. You know, every morning I spend a quiet time spending with the Lord in prayer, coming to church regularly. Some of you are really good at fasting, you know, and seeking the Lord during that fasting. Um, it can be time like we just got done spending in worship, really seeking God and, and asking him to connect with our hearts. Then also, too, we can be out in his creation, the beauty of creation, whether it's watching a, a sunrise or a sunset, walking in the, um, on a trail, being out in the ocean. There's so many different ways that we can connect with God, grow this relation, and be in communion with God. But I ask, how does that impact that kind of relationship loving people? Is loving God, as we're pursuing that, connected to loving people? We gotta, we gotta kind of pull through this and, and kind of pull this apart and look at this because whether it's a, a, a stranger, um, somebody you don't have in common with, um, people with difficult situations, people pop up in your life, and the list can go on and on how complicated people are. You know, Jesus says, love people, love your neighbor. He's not just talking about the people you get along with. 
the people that are easy to get along with. He's talking about loving people, period. And that can be very challenging. And here's one of the reasons why this can be challenging. I might be letting you in on something, a secret for the first time, I'm not sure. We're kind of messy. We are messy people. You are messy people. I'm a messy person. We bring all kinds of baggage every day to the table of, of relationships. Whether we want to or not, we're carrying stuff with us. So as we're seeking God and we're building this relationship with him, I want to really start to, to look at what does God want us to, to look like in relationship with people? So let's, let's look. Let's look at his scripture. Let's look to Isaiah 58, verse 1 through 9. Now, in case you're not aware, Isaiah is an Old Testament prophet. And Israel has been rescued out of Egypt. They're in the promised land, and they've had this complicated relationship with God. They pursue him, they seek him, and then they drift away. They pursue him, they seek him, and they drift away. It's just this pattern. Here's Isaiah's job to be a servant of the Lord and speak for God, to try to keep them and pull them closer to what God's calling them to be. Really difficult job. Can't imagine what that, that job would be like. Pay scale on that. I'm not sure what that is. So anyway, Isaiah 58, verse, starting with verse one. This is the Lord using Isaiah. And the Lord says, shout out loud, don't hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to, and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commandments of God. They ask me for just decisions. They seem eager, to, they seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you haven't seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you haven't noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please. You exploit the workers. Your fasting ends with quarreling and strife and in, and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect the voice to be heard on high. He continues, is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves. Is this the, the bowing of one's head like a reed for a, a lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? Do a, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is it not the kind of fasting I have chosen to loosen the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of a yoke, to, thank you on that, to set the oppressed free, to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. And then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be in your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. Man, that's a, powerful, that's a powerful scripture. And here's the thing. I wasn't even going to use that one today. <laughs> um, I had something else, and my wife was just like, you need to check out Isaiah 58. So thank you, Francis, on that one, because there's so much stuff there. There's so much. But what I want to share with you from that, first of all, 
is what is God not saying? Because I want to make sure this is clear. God's not saying, don't seek me out, don't fast, don't come to church, don't do... He wants those things from us. He's not saying not to do those things. But what he is saying is if you're going to do these things, you have to love people as well. You have to care for people as well. People are God's passion. Why is that? Well, think about it. We're created in his image. We are his creation. So he is passionate about us. So in turn, we should be passionate about people. He wants to be in relationship with us, and in turn, we need to be in relationship with others. And also, he's equipped us to engage people. Everything that you have has been given by God. So here we have a God that's passionate about people. We're in relationship with him. He calls us to be in relationship. He's equipped us. So what's the problem? Because there is a problem. And it goes back to we're, we're messy people. Let's look at the world around us. We are so divided. There's so much hate in this world. But let's look at the church for a second. You know, it's easy to look out into the world, but let's look at the church. How divided is the church? All the different denominations, and, and we get in these big debates about the sovereignty of God and free will, and we separate each other, and there's division within the body of Christ. And how comes too many churches are inward-focused, not getting out into the community when there's so much opportunity out there? And then also, too, about our own lives, how we try to, to keep ourselves safe and insulated and just form our circles around like-minded people. It's easier that way. I mean, heck, I, my wife and I, we love coming here. So there is something to be like to, to share commonality and share life with people. But we need to be outward focused as well. Amen. Amen. And it's hard. It's hard. Like I go back to Isaiah, uh, um, I think, I, no, I don't have it up there. It doesn't, we don't need it, but um, verse seven, that first uh, part of Isaiah. I get to verse seven, and it says at the very end of there, um, don't turn away from your own flesh and blood. Some, some uh, translations have relatives. Okay, I'm gonna be a little bit honest with you guys right now, um, but only so honest because I know this is being recorded. And <laughs> I really am not looking to kick any bee's nest. But this is true. There are plenty of relatives that will call me, and I'll do this. <sighs> Decline. <laughs> it's true. And here's the thing. I'm convinced that there's a lot of people that I'd like more than probably I want to imagine that see my name pop up and probably do the same thing. It's, it's unfortunately, it's true. But that's not what God has called me to do. It's not called us to do. We're supposed to be a people that care. We're supposed to be a people that are, are willing to give. And we are frequently challenged by that. Um, and I can't state this enough. He has equipped us, each and every one of us, with time, talent, and treasure to give away 
for his glory. He hasn't equipped you so that you can lead a better life and feel good about your life. He's equipped you so that you can reflect his glory to a lost world. I want to further that point going to uh, 1 Peter. Uh, 1 Peter 4. I love Peter. I relate a little bit to Peter, maybe because my middle name is Peter. But uh, man, Peter was a hot mess. This guy just, you know, denies Jesus. He cuts somebody's ear off. He's angry guy. But all these things Peter struggled through, Jesus says, I'm going to build my church upon you. He wants us, no matter how messy we are, to be in relationship with him so he can use us. So Peter says here, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Again, not our gifts, his gifts, a great variety. Use them and serve each other, serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself is speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all your strength and all your energy as that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ and all the glory and power to him forever and ever, amen. He has equipped us, not for our glory, his glory. So whether we're talking about relatives, neighbors, coworkers, strangers, it's just frequently, frequently hard for us because we want to stay away from conflict. We want to stay away from all the, the, the drama that comes with, with people. But again, that's not what God wants us to do. He wants to engage us to engage others. So a little story here. Uh, my wife and I, we live in Ormond Beach. We live on Beachside, and our ministry is located on Beachside. And it's one of the f- interesting things of Beachside, um, specifically probably a little bit too, is Ormond Beach because it's a smaller town. Um, in the ministry that we lead, we, we see a lot of people in need coming to, to us and reaching out to us for help. And even though our primary uh, population that we want to engage is people with children, we still engage a lot of the homelessness um, in Ormond Beach. And so a lot of times we'll be out somewhere and I'll hear, hey, Pastor Jeff, and I'll look at me, hey, Ron, how you been, man? Like, how's it going? Like, I actually have, I even know who's dating who in the homeless population. Like, I'm I'm kind of clued in. So this one day after we get done with ministry, um, I, I drive over to the mainland, go to the gym, and I'm finishing, I'm, I'm mentally and physically just t- tired just done. Looking forward to seeing my wife at home, having a meal, come over the bridge. And as I hit the base of the bridge, I'm, I'm looking ahead to, to get in the turning lane to head north to, to the house. And I see a homeless uh, man walking down the sidewalk. And right off the bat, the first thing I do is I'm like, I don't think I know who that is. And then I look, as I get closer, his shorts are soiled in the back. And I just had this moment as I, I turn into the turning lane and I have the stoplight there, and my heart just hurt. Loss of dignity. And I struggled there. Now, here's my struggle. Just pull over, you know, engage him. Maybe you can help him in some way. Oh, it's 6.30. What am I going to be able to give him now? I don't even have anything. I'm sweaty. I don't have any money on me. I'm in this full-on conversation at the light of whether to engage him or all the reasons not to. He's almost parallel to my um, car, 
the light turns green, and I turn and go home. Probably within a block or so, I just kind of let that go. I was done. And I go home. Next day, 8 o'clock in the morning, it's time for me to get uh, um, going, and I leave the house, and I got to get gas. I got to head into work. There's a little circle, uh, no, a little kangaroo gas station right by our house. So I start filling up, and then the Holy Spirit started to convict me because I hadn't thought about him. Truly, I had not thought about him. I had shut that off in my head and was going on with my life. And as I click on the pump and I'm just kind of sitting there, it just hit my heart. I missed an opportunity. And I got in the way. And as I'm sitting there, the first thing I could think of, I just started repenting to God. I'm like, God, I'm just sorry because I really think you wanted me to engage this guy. And I started talking about all the reasons why I couldn't. And I remember very vividly, I said, God, just give me a chance to be used today. Just give me another chance. Right then, the, the, the nozzle clicks, my tank's full. I put the, the pump back in the, the pump there, and I look up, and here's that homeless guy walking towards me. <laughs> Three miles from the previous place that I last saw him, the next day, and he's just walking like in towards the parking lot, and I'm literally like this. <laughs> I mean, seriously, speechless. I'm like, I, I, I couldn't think of anything to say. So much so, he just stops, and he looks at me. <laughs> now we got this awkward thing going on, and all I could think of to say is, can I help you? How can I help you? We just started a conversation. We just started dialoguing. And within a short period of time, his request, like he was just telling me a little bit about his story, just a little bit about his story. And I asked him again, I said, what do you need? He didn't ask for money. He didn't ask even for food. He said, I really need a change of underwear and a, a clean pair of shorts. I said, hold on. I live right around the corner. Just stay right here. So I get in my car and quickly, I just all of a sudden started thinking, I'm like, you know what? My buddy Jeff, who leads a church just up north a little bit, I think they have a shower that he might be able to even get a shower. So I called Jeff, and Jeff's like, bro, I'll be right there. So next thing you know, here I got these boxers and these shorts, and Jeff pulls up, and now we're in a three-way conversation, and you know, I'm just like, you know what, do you want anything to eat? Like, and he's like, no, 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 it's all right. I'm like, no, it's okay. Like, let me get you a sandwich, something. We end, the three of us, prayer. Jeff's going to take him to go shower. I had to work. I share that with you for a few different reasons. We miss opportunities all the time, all the time. But God's always willing to give us another chance and give us opportunities. And here's the thing. Too frequently we're consumed with the amount of time maybe, because my time that I shared with him was brief, but it was relational. And you might go, well, how's it relational? You gave the guy a pair of shorts and, and uh, boxers. The act of something tangible, I would say, absolutely, that is not relational. That's very charitable. And if we are not careful, our acts of charity without the, the addition to relational can be sometimes just as hurtful. Yeah. We need to have relational touch. 
when it comes to wanting to engage people, not just focused on what can I get you, what can I do for you? Because what, what does that look like? What does, it, what does it mean to have some relational contact? It sometimes is just listening to someone's story. Sometimes it's going, okay, who else do I know outside of, of my circle? Like who else maybe can make an impact in this person's life? And then also too is prayer. You know, here's the thing. At the rescue station, we have this, this, this saying that we say, um, don't treat prayer like a consolation prize. Too frequently, we're like, oh, I don't have this. I can't have this. I can't help you here. Can I at least pray for you? That's like going, all right, I'll pick door number two. No, prayer. We have the capability of connecting and inviting the creator of the universe into that situation. As believers, we need to think that first, and then what can I do second? And when we are engaged in this way, doing these things, we are loving people. We are in relationship with those, with, with, the, with a broken world. And here's another thing. I believe this. God is not cared about, does not care about the length of time you spend with somebody. God is a timeless, per, like, timeless God. He is not bound by time. He's always been and he always will be. And we're the ones that get so bent on time. I don't have enough time. I don't know what to say. I don't know what I would do. You get in those, those conflicts with yourself, much like I was at that light. I'm in a full argument with myself. And what we need to do when we're in those places, we gotta, we gotta look, look at two things. We gotta focus on two things. One, if we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that means the Holy Spirit dwells in us. We have the power of God in us. We have to put our junk aside and call on him. Call on him. And then just as he's calling on us, remember that we have time, talent, treasure given by God that we have to put into action. And oftentimes, the most undervalued ministry there is is just being present with somebody. When you're present with somebody and you're actively listening and you're looking eye to eye and you're caring for somebody, that is saying, I am being seen and I'm valued. And that's how God sees us. When we're talking to him, when we're praying, we're going through our struggle, he's saying, I see you and I value you. So being present, just being present is, is crucial. So here's the thing. I could probably give you another example of experience that I had because, like I said, the line of ministry we do, we're constantly involved in people's stories and whatnot. But what I did is I brought a um, Salty Family Services testimonial video today as an example of what we're talking about this morning. So it would be easy to look at this video as a formal ministry teaching. Look past that. Look past that. And I, and I uh, guide you towards looking towards two things. One, Jen's going to share her testimony. What was her life like right before we met her? What was her messiness looking like? And then the second thing, what are the things that she highlighted was impactful for her change in life?
So let's take a look at that video and then we will find a landing place here this morning. I'm Jen Samar and I have two kids. I have an 11-year-old who loves to read and she's fierce but soft and she's amazing and I have a three-year-old who is just a bundle full of energy and he's non-stop and I love how he challenges me to be a mom in a different way than I am for my daughter. And I'm a teacher at Holly Hill School and I've been teaching for 18 years now. Before Salty Family Services in my life, you know, you always dream of getting married and having a family as a young girl and, and I had that dream and I was working so hard to make sure on the outside everything was perfect and I had a child and I was a wife. Um, but my ex-husband, he was an alcoholic and he did some drugs and that caused him to be abusive. So a lot of my life was living in fear, embarrassment, um, walking on eggshells, not knowing what I'll come home to working hard during the day at school and then coming home trying to protect my daughter and give her like a normal childhood while still having to fight this like monster of abuse and alcoholism and drug use so it was scary and every day every day I just lived in fear a lot of sleepless nights on knees praying for my husband my ex-husband my ex and he got sober and so the year it was glorious we had like this beautiful family and beach time and time together and then I got pregnant and we weren't expecting this it was a surprise and I was just so excited in the moment that I told him that I was pregnant um, he started using again and it seemed like the abuse was even worse like I did it on purpose and he was just taking it all out on me I didn't I didn't know what to do. Um, I, I had this baby and my ex-husband was drunk on the day the baby was born and when I brought him home he was taken out of the house because of his abuse and I was all alone. And then this hurricane is just heading towards the coast and last minute decision to take my kids and go evacuate to the west coast of Florida. So I just packed up clothes and we went away. And I get a phone call the day after the hurricane that I lost my house. So I was in an abusive situation. I was on maternity leave, no money. My ex spent all of our savings and I don't have a house now. Um, and then I was introduced to Salty Family Services. When I got connected to the mentor, it was, again, I'm on survival mode. She stood beside me and was telling me, you have to live again. And, and these are the steps and coming alongside of me and helping me to live again, to, to take those correct steps and do more than just survive, but to try to thrive and bring my children into a thriving um, life that they deserve. Salty Family Services came beside me and helped me find a place to live and my mentor, she would meet me at my house and we would just sit and I would just sit in God's grace and say, you know, look what God did through Salty Family Services, through friends and family, like everything I have is being given to me because I had nothing but the bags of clothes I evacuated with. So every, and still three years later, I, I sit at night and I, I look around and it's just amazing what God has done. I am the kind of person that I have a heart to help others and to be in a situation where I needed help was amazing that there, there are people who are willing to donate time and furniture and financially to help out families like me. 
I never thought it would happen to me. You never think that, but it does. And I'm just so thankful that people are willing to, to give to others who are in need. I would tell somebody who needed help that not to be embarrassed, that people care and love you and God has this perfect plan in how He worked through Salty Family Services. People have that heart. God's given them a heart to help and uh, that's what Salty Family Services does. They have this, this purpose, this, this need, this want, this God-given need to help others. So the first thing I want to guess I, I want to say that I didn't share in the um, the first service was you all are connected to that story and so many more by partnering with Salty Family Services. This church is a part of change. I want to thank you for that again. But here's the thing: Did you hear her story? How messy her situation was: abusive husband, addicted husband emotionally just tapped out, financially ruined, house gone, and he got two kids. I don't know how I would deal with that. Like, that, that is just, and some of you have had very similar situations like that. So it was incredibly messy. But then what stood out to me is what she said was really the impactful things. She said, about her mentor, and the mentor could be any one of you people, about just being present, being involved in someone's life. But she said, she encouraged me to take steps and not to survive, but to thrive. She stood beside me, and then we would sit and reflect on what God did. We'd sit and reflect on what God did, being present. Church, that is what it means to love. That's what it means to be relational with people. That what it, that's what it means to reflect God into other people's lives. You know, when I look at the example of the, the homeless guy that I engaged to Jen's story, you know, again, I maybe spent 45 minutes with a guy from, from start to finish. Very small amount of time. You know, when we look at uh, our mentor, Jen went through the whole program three months. Three months is not a lot of time. But even you narrow that down, three months is really just once a week for about an hour. So I added that up, that's 45 hours. That's a work week. I mean, think about that. And now imagine this, and I think we all have to check ourselves on this, every single one of us. We will all be in front of Jesus at one point in time. We will be standing face to face with our creator and I know this is the position, posture that I don't want to be in. I didn't have enough time. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. I don't think, I don't want to be in that position. I'm sure you all don't. So where does that leave us this morning? First of all, I want to encourage every single one of you that if you feel you're not capable, you're unqualified, or you're stubborn to God's calling, Consider yourself being in good company. Open up your Bible. Just read the endless stories of Moses, Jonah, David, Peter, heck, all the disciples. 
constantly screwing up, constantly just making all these messes of situations, lying, all these things. But here's the thing. One of the things that consumed me when I became really understanding of what I walked into when I said yes to God, I looked at all different kinds of religions. I had gone through it all. World religions, I was studying them. I was, I was just looking to see where do I belong in this world? And when I, I found these scriptures and I started reading these things, here's a thing that stands out beyond any other God. God loves us unconditionally and God wants a relationship with us that is impactful to the rest of the world. You won't find that anywhere else. And that's what we have when we say yes to God and we have the Holy Spirit in us. So I encourage you on that, that we are the hands and feet of Jesus. That is who we are called to be. And the world should look differently upon us. We should stand out. And what I want to land on here is what does that look like standing out? You know, we've talked a lot about loving people, loving God. I want to end with John 13. John 13, verse 34 and 35. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. I want to leave us there today. I want that to be the lasting impression on your minds and in your hearts and invite you to pray with, pray with me. God, Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I can't thank you enough to who you are. You are so big, God. You're so vast, so powerful, beyond any of us, any of our imaginations but you care about the details of our lives and you desperately care about reaching that one person. God, I pray today that the Spirit convict all of us of your commandments of loving God and loving people and reaching the lost, that we can participate in your plan and we in the process can glorify you I'm just so thankful that you've caused, called us to this. And God, thank you for your patience and your love. As so frequently we struggle with the calling. We're resistant to it, but yet you continue to pursue us and call us. God, I pray that we are able to hear you and respond to a world that so desperately needs you. I pray for all this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.